So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how's this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Script, the podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch and take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. The content and clips in today's episode will contain explicit language and mature and adult themes. Welcome back. We are excited today because although it is not spooky season yet, we are excited to be putting a very spooky show on the couch today, Netflix's Wednesday. And this one isn't too scary because Dr. Fran was actually able to watch it. I did did finish the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's more, you know, we'll get into it more, but um, has a lot of spooky themes and ambiance, but wasn't too scary. Hey, freak. This is a close practice. (laughs) The only person who gets to torture my brother is me. I did the world a favor. People like Dalton shouldn't be allowed to procreate. Getting expelled was just a bonus. Want to take a stab at being social? I do like stabbing. Little did I know I'd be stepping into a nightmare. Full of mystery, mayhem, and murder. I think I'm going to love it here. So as you heard in the trailer, after being expelled from school, Wednesday Adams transfers to Nevermore Academy. While she's at Nevermore, Wednesday attempts to not make friends, master her new psychic abilities, free her wrongfully accused father, and stop a monster from killing her other mythical, magical peers. Yeah, a lot happens in this show in this short season of like 10 episodes. Um, There is a ton that we could cover on this episode in terms of like different relationships and characters. um, But we're going to try to narrow it down today and really focus on the therapy that we actually see Wednesday receives, um, as well as the relationship with some of her family members and particularly her mother. Yes, and while we're mostly focusing on the therapy and the kind of family relationships, um, we won't go into too much into we won't go too in depth about some of the other storylines, like who is the monster and you know, like what is her father accused of and all of those types of things. But there will be some minor spoilers, just a heads up if you have not seen this show yet, um, which I feel like might be hard to believe because the show was so popular. I feel like it was mm-hmm. everywhere, everyone was talking about it. Um, so hopefully we won't spoil too much. <laughs> Yeah, definitely recommend watching it before you listen, but we will do our best not to give everything away. 
Yes. So we're going to start off discussing some of the more individual therapy sessions between Dr. Kinbat and Wednesday, and then we're going to kind of shift and talk a little bit more about the family dynamics and a family therapy session. So a lot of cool stuff to get into. So I think we can kind of start with uh, Dr. Sam mentioned, Dr. Kimbot, the therapist that Wednesday sees. So she ends up, as you can hear from the trailer and Dr. Sam's summary, transferring to Nevermore um, after she gets expelled from her previous school and then um, her parents send her here and it's their alma mater. So they're super excited for her to go. And she's mm-hmm. hesitant, um, which we'll talk a little bit about uh, <laughs> just her general um, demeanor and gen- uh, most of the time. Um, but as part of this, the punishment that she received in having to be expelled, she is required to see this psychologist. Um, I don't know if it's technically like a court ordered or mandated therapy or who is mandating it, but it is a requirement that she sees this therapist. That's true. It doesn't get into the details really, but at one point, and I think we'll talk about this in more detail, but at one point, Wednesday does make the comment that she's quote unquote legally like required mm-hmm. to be seeing Dr. Kinbot. Um, and I do believe the principal principal memes talks about her going to therapy as part of them. Like, you know, um, uh, admitting her to nevermore following an incident in which she poured piranhas into a pool to punish some mere, uh, some male peers who had been bullying her brother. So that's kind of like the event that leads to her getting expelled. And then, you know, also having to go to therapy with Dr. Kinbot. Yeah. And I could see, I mean, it would, it would be realistic for like, if a student assaults a peer at school and then gets expelled, there may be some kind of legal ramifications of that, of like, instead of having to go to like a juvenile detention center or do community service, that there may be like a court ordered or mandated therapy. So it's possible. It's not clearly stated that that's what's happening here, but I could see that being within the realm of possibility. Um, And so what like mandated or court ordered therapy, those Phrases are somewhat used interchangeably, um, but this is something that people may have to go through like a specific therapy or treatment for a set period of time. And then typically receiving some type of evaluation from a mental health provider um, to indicate the idea being that um, it's some level of um, like trying to help the person uh, not engage in those behaviors again. So in Wednesday's case, like to help prevent her from assaulting peers again in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, <clears throat> like you mentioned, Dr. Fran, the person would have an evaluation from the approved mental health provider. And then that person would also help sometimes like dictate like what level of like care or therapy mm-hmm. is required. So, you know, I think in one of our previous sessions where we covered Shutter Island, um, we talk about this a little bit in terms of court mandated therapy. And there are various um, people at the facility, you know, on Shutter Island who have been mandated after having an evaluation to go to this treatment facility. So that might be one way that it looks. Here in Wednesday's case, you know, um, after the incident with the piranhas, she is meeting with Dr. Kinbot, who has done the evaluation, and then we'll follow up with her. Um, It seems like what we gather from the show is that there's been some level of agreement reached between Principal Means and Dr. Kinbot and the family that Wednesday will go to therapy and there are certain goals or expectations that they have of Wednesday that she'll reach in working with Dr. Kinbot at her while she's at Nevermore. Yeah. And I think there's an important piece with mandated therapy and we won't dive a ton into this, but it does come up a little bit of how confidential or not confidential this is. So oftentimes when something is court ordered or mandated through the legal system, there is some limit to confidentiality. So Dr. Sam and I talk in a lot of our episodes about like 
horribly unethical things that therapists do by like telling things that they're not supposed to about their clients outside of session. Um, There is some like legal limit to confidentiality when it's in this court ordered situation, because there is some level that the therapist does have to report to the courts to make sure usually that they're complying with treatment. So like, are they attending sessions? Are they engaging in the treatment? Does there seem to be some level of improvement potentially? Um, So Mm -hmm. there can be some, um, limits to the level of confidentiality that one has in this type of treatment compared to the typical treatment relationships that we talk about. Very true. And that evaluation, sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. in these kind of cases, that evaluation would also be shared, right? So what the findings are, what the diagnosis is or diagnoses, um, what the treatment plan or treatment recommendations might look like, that would be something that would also be shared in a case like this. Whereas typically, um, when you're working one-on-one with a psychologist or therapist, that would not be the case. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like with Dr. Kinba and Wednesday in a second. And, you know, um, we can kind of, I don't want to spoil it, but then we can kind of discuss our qualms with how it's handled. If that is not, you know, the case, it's not a typical kind of confidential session as one may expect. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like kind of moving into thinking about like starting to watch some clips, we kind of under, I think Wednesday in general, we already know from the beginning of the show is a somewhat like hesitant, mistrusting person. Right. Um, and especially in this like court ordered therapy situation where we know that the, that the therapy sessions are maybe not fully confidential, like most people do have a little bit of mistrust or there is like an impact of trust mm-hmm. in the therapeutic relationship when you know that not everything you're saying is kept private or confidential. So I think like she's already going into this interaction with Dr. Kimbot with some reservations and some hesitations. And also maybe not feeling like this is her choice or even like what she would want, right? Like she is maybe not someone who feels super open to the idea of going to therapy and now it's basically required of her. Um, And so it's something she might not even have wanted, definitely doesn't want. I would, you know, even go so far as to hazard a guess um, and now finds herself in this situation. So why don't we go ahead and give a listen to the first session between Dr. Kimba and Wednesday, and then we can kind of break it down. I read the notes from your school counselor. Mrs. Bronstein, she had a nervous breakdown after our last session, had to take a six-month sabbatical. Go ahead and take a seat. How did you feel about that? Vindicated. But someone who crochets for a hobby isn't a worthy adversary. Adversary? I hope we can forge a relationship based on trust and mutual respect. This is a safe space Wednesday, a sanctuary where we can discuss anything, what you're thinking, feeling, your views on the world, personal philosophy. That's easy. I think that this is a waste of time. I see the world as a place that must be endured, and my personal philosophy is kill or be killed. So, for instance, when someone bullies your brother, your response is to dump piranha in the pool. You know the old saying, never bring a knife to a sword fight, unless it's concealed. The point is you assaulted a boy and showed no remorse for your actions. That's why you're here. He lost a testicle. I did the world a favor. People like Dalton shouldn't be allowed to procreate. I've answered all your questions. We're not done yet. Therapy is a valuable tool to help you understand yourself. It can teach you new ways to deal with your emotions. It can also help you build a life that you want. I know the life that I want. Tell me about it. Everything said in these sessions is strictly confidential. Do your plans involve becoming an author? I understand you've written three novels about a teen girl detective, Viper de la Muerte. Can you tell me about her? Viper is smart, perceptive, chronically misunderstood. Any luck getting your work published? 
Editors are short-sighted, fear-based life forms. One once described my writing as gratuitously morbid and suggested I seek psychiatric help. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? How did you take that? I sent her a thank you. I've always been open to constructive criticism. I'm glad to hear that. Because I was sent the manuscripts as part of your psych evaluation. The relationship I found most intriguing was that of Viper and her mother, Dominica. Why don't we dig into that? Wednesday, part of this journey requires us going to uncomfortable places emotionally. I don't travel well. I think there's a lot to break down here. There's some good things <laughs> yes. and some not good things about this session, I think. <laughs> I would agree. And there is a lot, you know, it's a short clip and it's their first interaction together, but I do think we glean a lot. So one of the first things we were alluding to this is that idea of confidentiality. Yeah. And you have heard Dr. Fran and I talk about this in a lot of previous sessions. I think one of the biggest things for me is Dr. Kinbot says everything we talk about is strictly confidential. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as we've talked about in the past, that's not the case for any therapy session. Um, and an important piece is letting the people that you work with as a therapist or as a psychologist know, like what are those boundaries of confidentiality? What are situations in which you would have to share information with other people? And a lot of times that revolves around safety, right? And in this kind of case, when it seems like Dr. Kimbot is conversing with principal memes and has done like this evaluation in terms of like Wednesday having mandated therapy, Dr. Kimbot doesn't discuss or disclose any of that or share any details about what might be being shared with principal memes or her parents or anything, right? She says, everything is totally confidential. Tell me everything. So I feel like not the best start and not very transparent. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I think while there are some, there's a lot of like phrases that she says or things that she says that I think are true and, you know, maybe with the right client would land well, like you know, therapy can be a valuable tool to help you understand yourself or like, you know, the therapeutic relationship is something that should be based on trust. And this is a safe place. Like all those things I think in theory are true, but it's kind of like read the room and read your client. Like those things are not landing with Wednesday. Like she, it does not, you know, is not like a warm touchy feely person. And so this, the way that, um, not to say that Dr. Kimbot has to completely change her approach, but kind of thinking about like, how can I convey this in a way that the client is actually going to hear and understand and believe? Because I think Wednesday's kind of going into this already. She even says that she doesn't believe in therapy and thinks it's a waste of time. And so she's not really going to like take anything that Dr. Kimbot is saying to heart. I agree with that. What I liked about Dr. Kimbot's approach is she doesn't seem phased, right? You kind of, Mm -hmm. you do want to kind of like roll with the flow and kind of go with what the person that you're working with is giving you and what they're saying. And I think Dr. Kimbot does a nice job of that. Like she doesn't get surprised by anything that Wednesday says. Um, And I think that overall, just like you mentioned, Dr. Fran, those things are important to say and kind of outline like, right, you would like your client and your patients to feel like it's a safe space and you want to develop a rapport and relationship built on trust. Um, however, I agree. It's like Dr. Kimbot's just kind of like saying those things and like kind of putting them out there. But like Wednesday really isn't the kind of person. And I think most people aren't where just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. Just because you say like, I want you to trust me. And this is a safe place doesn't mean that the person you're working with is like, okay, I trust you. And I'm just going to divulge everything now. Right. And so I think it's a tricky balance to kind of share that those are the goals and 
what you would like to achieve in the relationship together. And also knowing that just by saying it, you're not going to have that outcome immediately. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's ways, there's some questions that she asked, like some open-ended questions that um, kind of lead that could lead down a helpful path of like, you know, like where do you see your life going? Or, you know, like asking some of these open, like, how did you feel about that? Um, that hypothetically would give Wednesday an opening to, you know, explain a little bit more or give some more information. She doesn't really wait long enough for Wednesday to give her a response. Oftentimes she'll just ask like another question or Wednesday will deflect. Uh, but I do think for a client like this, that's probably like one of the better strategies that Dr. Kimbot uses where um, she's trying to engage her in conversations about something that she might be interested in or be willing to discuss and trying to ask in an open-ended way to get more information. That was a nice strategy that she attempted. I also agree, Dr. Fran, that sometimes she didn't always allow for the the conversation to persist after giving that opening. And one of the things I felt like was also kind of bothersome to me in the clip and just her general approach with Wednesday is that there are a lot of tinges of judgment, right? Mm-hmm. So even though she's trying to establish this trusting relationship with Wednesday, she comes out and says, the point is you assaulted a boy and showed no remorse for your actions, right? That's why you're here. And so I think maybe she's thinking that Wednesday will appreciate like a direct approach. And I feel like it's true. Like sometimes there is space to be direct and to be honest and even to kind of um, let the patient that you're working with, like know what your hypothesis or your ideas are in working with them. But I also feel like it's very important to word it or share it in a way that isn't very judgmental. Right. So, you know, I feel like this is one example and we'll we'll see some other examples. or will listen to rather some other interactions between them. But I think she kind of is like trying to balance on this line of like being direct and getting respect from Wednesday, but also coming across as judgmental. Um, And I think Wednesday also kind of, you know, um, notices that because I think she tries to deflect a lot or she'll just shut down the questions or even just use sarcasm to redirect, right? She's like not really giving Dr. Kinbot much. And so I don't think that like the beginning of this trusting relationship that Dr. Kimba is hoping for uh, is obviously going very well in this first clip. Yeah. And I think especially the whole situation with the books, right? So I think that like, there's like a oh, multiple yes. qualms I have with that part of it's very, seems very odd to have books or novels or writings be sent with a psychological evaluation. Maybe there are situations where that happens in, but I have not seen that. And then it feels somewhat like a breach of privacy or trust that Dr. Kimbot has read them without like asking, like it's one situation, it's one, another situation to like acknowledge like, Oh, Hey, I heard you're a writer. Like, would you be okay with me reading some of your novels? Like, I'd love to better understand, you know, where you're coming from and then like have them give permission for you to like see that side of them. I think that could have been a nice strategy. Um, But not only did she like read them without talking to her about them first, then she starts, you know, she clearly is picking up that there's some aspects of the main character that are parallel to Wednesday. And then, picks up on this relationship between Wednesday and her mother or the main character and her mother, and then dies like right into that. And we, this is a big like recurring qualm that we have with therapy on TV and movies, right? Is that they just like jump right into like something really intense or like sensitive. It's like, of course, Wednesday's going to be like, I'm not talking about that. Um, Especially based on the other things that we've seen in this clip. Yeah. Dr. Kimbot's basically like, you assaulted a boy, so you have to talk to me. Tell me about your mother. Like, yeah, good <laughs> that luck. kind of how this like, session comes across. <laughs> and I think, you know, there could be a lot gleaned from these like novels and stories that Wednesday has written. But it's also kind of interesting to me. Like she says like, oh, I received your books as part of the psychological evaluation. 
if I was Wednesday right away, I'd be like, well, what else has she received about me? Right. Mm -hmm, She mentions notes from the school counselor. She mentions these novels. And again, there's like very little transparency of like, before we met, this is who I've talked to, you know, this is how things are going to go. She just kind of dives right in. And if I were Wednesday, I feel like I'd also kind of have my guard up because it's just kind of like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. So not off to a great start in the therapeutic relationship. No, but luckily, you know, I don't know how long Wednesday's here at Nevermore, maybe like a week or so, um, but she sees a peer get murdered by like a very scary monster-like creature. Um, And so after witnessing this horrific, gruesome murder, she then goes to see Dr. Kinbot again. Why is that that luckily, Dr. Sam? (laughs) Well, you would think like if after... I was being sarcastic like Wednesday, A. And B, you would hope if you did have a trusting therapist or psychologist um, that if you did witness a gruesome monster murder, they would be helpful. So let's see if that's the case. Help me understand why you would claim you witnessed a murder. Not a good start. Was it to gain attention? Why should I bother telling you anything? You've already decided I'm lying. I know what I saw. Your life's had a lot of upheaval recently. It's okay to be confused about things. Don't try and lure me into one of your psychological traps. No one is trying to trap you. I'm here to help you process your emotions. Emotions are a gateway trait. They lead to feelings, which trigger tears. I don't do tears. Tell me how you're adjusting to school. Satra said hell is other people. He was my first crush. Wednesday, part of the reason your parents sent you to Nevermore is so that you could find your people. Become part of a larger community. I like being an island. A well-fortified one surrounded by sharks. Have you considered your antisocial tendencies might be motivated by fear of rejection? If you were to reject me right now, I would not be upset. You can't get rid of me that easily. And look, you made it through an entire session without trying to escape. I'll take that as a win. So do we think it was a helpful session, Dr. Fran, coming off of witnessing the gruesome monster murder? None of these sessions end up being particularly helpful. (laughs) true. (laughs) Um, I feel like immediately she comes across by just saying, um, that she doesn't believe her. She kind of asks her like, why did you make up this murder Wednesday? Right. And, and then she goes on to say, but I'm not trying to trap you. I am a hundred percent on Wednesday's side in this (laughs) clip here. And in this session, when Wednesday kind of says like, why would I tell you anything? You've already made up your mind. And that's a hundred percent why I think like Dr. Kinbot shouldn't come across as judgmental as she is because she is kind of putting all of her cards on the table. Like, this is what I think. I think you're lying. I think you want attention. So why would Wednesday share? Right. I feel like, um, not, not very, not doing a very nice job of kind of trying to establish that relationship and rapport. Yeah. I feel like it's like a huge therapeutic blunder to like name a huge assumption or judgment that like, of course we're humans. We sometimes are going to have assumptions what we make. Like maybe Dr. Kimbot believes that she's making it up, but you're not going to, you shouldn't say that. Um, or you may like say it in a different way, right? Am I a way that's like, you know, like I'm a little, you know, confused because I noticed you say this, but like, you know, I'm wondering, you know, is it possible something else is going on here? Right? I think there's ways to say it without flat out saying that like you're wanting attention and are potentially making this up. I think possibly principal Weems had come to Dr. Kinbot and probably said, you know, with this whole situation, it's like, oh, Wednesday thought she saw someone murdered, but actually he's still alive. That This isn't the case. Everything's fine. 
And so maybe that's why Dr. Kinbot comes in the way she does. But again, just like you mentioned, Dr. Fran, I think there's a different way to mention that. Like, oh, I understand that you told whoever that this is what you saw. Then your principal told me that this kid is actually okay. Like kind of walk me through what happened, right? Like get her side of the story, learn from her. Don't just come in saying like, you're lying. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think this is like a perfect example of like, of course, this is a, you know, mythical world in which like this thing happened, but like in reality, Wednesday wasn't lying, even though the facts seem to indicate that she must be lying. So like, it's always good to go in with an open mind and to try to like see the different sides to each story. So if she had kind of been more open-minded then she might have like learned a little bit more, gotten more of Wednesday's trust, and they might have actually been able to get somewhere in this session as opposed to, you know, her kind of judging her. I think another example of her using like judgmental language is talking about like her antisocial tendencies and how that is like her way of yes. trying to avoid rejection and that, that's like labeling her, right? Um, similar to like saying that she had no remorse in the last session. So she's making a lot of assumptions about Wednesday and some of them maybe are somewhat true, like the lack of remorse for the, you know, what happened um, with the piranha incident. But I think there's a different way of handling and talking about those things without automatically like judging or labeling her because that's going to put Wednesday on the defensive and not lead her to want to open up and trust her. Which is exactly what we see. Wednesday is on the defensive. And I think that was like spot on, Dr. Fran. There is so much that Dr. Kinbot could be doing to learn about Wednesday, right? Like even if Wednesday isn't showing remorse because of the prawn incident, well, what does that really say about Wednesday? How does Wednesday really feel about that? Well, someone was unkind to someone she actually really cares about. Um, and then she felt she was defending them when no one else would, right? And we go on to see that Wednesday actually does form a lot of close relationships um, with like the kid who ends up in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, with Enid, her roommate, her brother she's very fond of. So, you know, again, antisocial is being very judgmental. It's more about like, let's learn what Wednesday actually does value in relationships and how she forms relationships and what those mean to her. And there was a lot of fruitful potential areas for conversation here because Wednesday starts talking about how she differentiates between emotions and feelings, how she doesn't do tears, how she wants to be an island. Like all of those are things that you like Dr. Kinbot could have possibly skillfully started to talk about Mm -hmm. in an open-ended and broad way to get Wednesday to open up. But instead she like labeled and judged and really like closed off the conversation in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. And she said it's a win because Wednesday didn't try to escape like she did in the first session. I don't know if I would call that a win, but Wednesday has just been being threatened, right? Like that she can't continue to try to escape. Yeah. I mean, I think technically, like if she's having to report this to the court, like it is going to look better for Wednesday that she didn't leave early and that she complied and attended the whole session. But I don't actually feel like they're getting anywhere in these two sessions so far. True. And I don't really think that Wednesday is motivated even by that. Like even if she has to report attendance in some way, I don't think that that's really a motivating factor for Wednesday. Like I think she could probably, I don't think she cares very much about that. Um, Interestingly, after she leaves this session, this, what we didn't hear is Wednesday sees Tyler, who is one of the like um, teens who works at in Jericho, which is the local town, which Nevermore Academy's in, he works at the coffee shop and his father is the sheriff. And so Wednesday and Tyler have kind of like struck up a 
friendship um, throughout the season. Um, but in this episode, she sees Tyler outside and she says that she's legally required to see Dr. Kinbot. And he kind of reciprocates and says like, oh, yeah, like I'm also court ordered to see her. Um, so they have they're sharing the same therapist. And we also learn from the principal that there are various Nevermore students who also uh, work with Dr. Kinbot. So, you know, kind of just a lot of kind of interesting dynamics there as well. Yeah. Well, I think that might be a good transition into talking about, we've talked about like the therapy, we've talked about, you know, the relationship between uh, Dr. Kimbot and Wednesday. So let's transition to talking about what diagnostically might be going on for her. So get excited, Freudian scripters. We're going to introduce a new diagnosis today that we have not covered on the podcast yet, and we'll be playing a diagnosis bingo to do so with oppositional defiant disorder. So oppositional defiant disorder, we'll just kind of refer to as ODD is our, you know, easier acronym for that. Um, it is typically a diagnosis seen primarily in childhood or adolescence. Um, and it is characterized by like a host of a few different symptoms, which we'll go through, but primarily a pattern of like angry and irritable mood, argumentative or defiant behavior and vindictiveness um, happening over at least the last six months. And you only need four of the symptoms that we'll be talking about. Um, and these have to be exhibited in different uh, interpersonal relationships, but not just among siblings, right? You can imagine that some sibling relationships, there might be a lot of anger, argumentative and vindictiveness. So it has to be outside of just the sibling relationship, usually in multiple contexts like home, school, other situations where there might be authority figures involved. I will say in Wednesday's case, her relationship with Pugsley seems to be one of the more positive relationships too. So kind of even breaking from that pattern. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so Wednesday will need to have at least four of these. So we'll kind of describe them and we'll see if we think that they seem to be in line with what we see um, for Wednesday. So the first one is demonstrating an angry or irritable mood. And this can kind of look like, uh, this can look several different ways. The first of which, often losing One's temper. What do we think about Wednesday and her temper? I think this one's interesting because I think she's pretty like cool and calm and level headed the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. But we do see situations where I would argue she does lose her temper. And I think the best example is when the you know kids at school bull bully her younger brother Pugsley. And so she pours piranhas into a pool to attack them. So that's like kind of a pretty, you know, big response yeah. to something. <laughs> um, so I would argue that I don't know if I'd say often, but I would argue that she does lose her temper. So I don't know. That's maybe yeah, a half, definitely, half for me. I would agree that she often loses her temper. I think with the Pugsley incident, that's obviously kind of beyond what you would expect someone, you know, to do when they're like reacting to such a situation, uh, these vicious piranhas. And even though she doesn't always maybe act out in that similar way with the piranhas, I do think there are other instances where she loses her temper with peers, with her school principal, and definitely with her mother. So I'm going to go with yes on that one. So the next possible uh, symptom within the angry irritable mood is being often touchy or easily annoyed. And I feel like this one is like a pretty easy one for her. She's kind of like constantly annoyed by the people around her, especially when they have this like very positive kind of bubbly outlook. Like we kind of hear it with the therapist's approach. She ends up with this uh, roommate, Enid, who I think is such a great character. And it's just like this super bubbly, yes. positive, happy, like fluffy person all the time. And Wednesday does not handle it well. 
Oh, and there's some examples yeah. where like she says she's allergic to color or, you know, just like is not in the mood at ever all the time. So I would say this is like a pretty clear uh, yes for this one. I feel like Wednesday like proudly has that even like it's just like a characteristic of yeah. her personality being easily <laughs> I think similar with the third one under angry and irritable mood is often have is often feeling angry and resentful. Um, and so again, I think this is one where Wednesday portrays herself as being pretty irritable and often angry. I think she kind of gives off this aura of just like, I'm mad all the time at everything um, and kind of like stay away from me. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would definitely give her this one as well. Okay, so we have three so far. No, we only need one more. We're, already, we're moving along. <laughs> yes, and the next category is demonstrating argumentative and or defiant behavior. So this can look several different ways. The first of which, I don't know if this sounds like Wednesday, we'll see. <laughs> Often arguing with authority figures um, or other adults. Um, what do you think about this one? I feel like we have so many examples of this. Um, I mean, even just in the <laughs> conversations with Dr. Kimbot that we just listened to, but also yeah. talking to her parents, um, being like when she goes about going to school, about like their history, um, argues with the principal over and over again. So kind of like doesn't really seem to yes. agree with like adult or authority figures very often and is not afraid to argue with them. Not afraid. And often, I think you're right. There's also arguments with the sheriff, mm -hmm. with other townspeople, with the mayor. So definitely, I would say, argues with authority figures. Um, and then the next one's pretty similar. Actively defies or refuses to comply with requests from authority figures or with rules. And I think <laughs> similarly, we see a ton of examples of this. And in her defense, she's trying to solve a murder case and save the day. Multiple. Multiple murders. Yeah. You're right. Um, however, <laughs> she does continue to actively defy, like, again, the therapeutic relationship. She escapes out of the therapy window so she doesn't have to go. She continues to disobey and, like, sneak out of school to, like, go, you know, on this, mm -hmm. you know, murder mystery hunt. Um, so she does not she does not follow rules of the school or other rules that people set very often. I agree. I think she often has her justification, right? Like Wednesday, she's kind of like, I am who I am. And like, she finds that there are a lot of purpose into the things that she does, but it really does lead to behaviors that are actively just kind of defying what people are asking her to do, whether it's like parents or school personnel or others. So I think that this is a yes to. All right. And then the next one I'm a little unsure on. So this, the next one is often deliberately annoys others. I think probably someone could make an, maybe someone could make an argument in that, like kind of that ju juxtaposition between like the way that she approaches things versus like Enid, for example, like she might, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if she gets joy or she like gets satisfaction out of like kind of, you know, making people feel uncomfortable when she says like really dark, sarcastic things. Um, <laughs> but I don't get the sense that she's like constantly going out, just trying to annoy people just to get under their skin and like um, frustrate them. So I'm not, I'm unclear. I'm not fully convinced on this one. I agree. I don't think I would give Wednesday this one. Like, I don't think she would fall into this category. And it's really that deliberately that I'm hung up on. Does she annoy others? Sure. I'm, you know, like we see examples of that in the show. Is she doing it deliberately? No, I kind of get the sense that Wednesday is Wednesday. Um, and she is, you know, very sure of herself in those ways. And that can get under people's skin. But I don't think she's doing it to annoy them. Yeah, I think that's fair. 
And then the last one for this category is often blames other for their mistakes or misbehavior. And I don't really see this a ton. It's not like she's sneaking out and saying like, oh, I didn't do it. Enid did it. Um, So she's not like kind of shifting blame of the things that she did. She's kind of like unapologetically talks about the things that she does. She's like, yep, I did that Um, because (laughs) maybe you all were too stupid to see what was really happening. Uh, But I don't necessarily see her kind of blaming other people necessarily for her things. I agree again here. I don't really see that. I think she does, you know, she kind of takes responsibility for her actions and she has her justification. So I don't really see her blaming others either. So we're not going to give her those two, but we've already met the four criteria that would be needed for this diagnosis. There is one other bucket of symptoms, which is vindictiveness. Um, So if the person, um, or, you know, in this case, adolescent has been spiteful or vindictive at least twice within the past six months. Um, This one's a little tricky because we don't have like the timeline necessarily. Um, And I don't know if you count being vindictive, like trying to put away a murderer or catch a murderer's hide. (laughs) I don't know, maybe, but that could also be just like vigilante justice. Um, (laughs) We do have the one example of the piranhas again with the bullies. Um, So there's at least one example. I don't know if we have the two within six months. Yeah. We also have the example of her sending um, the box. I I don't remember exactly what she does, but we heard it in the previous clip of her sending the editor or something bad. And, you know, it's like a mousetrap or something that like she gets hurt with. When they didn't, yeah, yeah, they, they didn't, didn't want to publish mm-hmm. her, so she sent them. Yeah, that's true. That is very vindictive. So okay, so I'm maybe. guessing she might have a pattern of vindictiveness, but we don't necessarily see it, so we won't we won't give her that one yet. But I think there's a high probability it's there. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so, is that? I think we have the four for that, though, right? I think we're good. Okay. So, of course, we always have to take these diagnoses within context and also like severity and how they impact individuals. So for Wednesday, it's also like you would think about severity based on the number of settings that these symptoms are present. So a lot of times that's looking at like in the home, in the school, in the community, right? We see for Wednesday that it's at least at school and in the community and sometimes at home as well. Um, And then really you want to think about what is normative for the individual's developmental level. So for their age and also their culture. So it's a little tricky in Wednesday's case um, because this is a fantastical show and it's kind of difficult to diagnose because her cultural background, um, I don't know, Dr. Fran, like how would you describe it? Like she's from a family and a community of like, I don't know if they're monsters, but they're like mythical, magical people. It's like werewolves and severed hands. And, you know, so maybe some of these dark, angry, irritable, macabre type themes are culturally normative. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it is tricky because we don't see her parents. They actually sometimes encourage or you know are proud of her yes. for some of these things. So if she was just yeah. living in this little bubble of just her household, I don't actually think she would be getting this diagnosis. But because she's True. in what seems like just like a regular public school at first and she's engaging in some of these behaviors, then that's like a problem in the school setting. Yes. And then even at Nevermore, which has other mythical creatures or, you know, mythical beings, she's still getting in trouble. And that does not seem to be in the school culture. So I would agree that it's a little bit tricky that I do think there's aspects of like her family dynamic and her upbringing that makes some of it normative. But when you place her in a different setting, it becomes more of a problem. Very true. And I don't think, you know, a lot of, you know, I agree with Wednesday in some sense that a lot of the adults and the, like, what do they call them? Like the normies in Jericho, like a lot of the normal adults, like they just don't get it that she's just trying to like stop this horrible monster. So, you know, definitely tricky, but I think even kind of 
if we kind of um, take a step back from it being this kind of mythical, magical world of these like creatures and beings, um, we do see that she would meet criteria for oppositional defiant disorder. Um, so when we're thinking about the treatment for teens with ODD, this often involves like multifaceted approach that would have some form of like parent training and parent-child interaction training. So there would be individual therapy as well as family therapy sessions and then some social skills training. So teaching the adolescent or the teen with ODD some more uh, proactive and productive social skills to interact with others. So I think this is a perfect chance to shift and talk a little bit more about what those family dynamics and family therapy look like for Wednesday. So we first see, I mean, we've, we've seen the family before, but, you know, they kind of really come back into play about like midway or partway through the season where uh, the family actually comes to visit Nevermore. And it seems to be kind of like fortuitous because around the same time, Miss um, Weems shares that the therapist has let her know. She shares this with Wednesday's family um, that she has not been opening up. It's not really yielding the results that they've hoped for. Um, and she recommends them doing a family session. So I think like, as Dr. Sam and I alluded to earlier, there's some major concerns here, which is like the confidentiality of, I don't really understand how like the, the, the principal now has like specific information about like not, yeah. her not opening up. And it's one thing if maybe the school has a relationship where they say that she's going or attending or not, but to say whether she's like opening up or like what results they're getting at, um, there'd have to be a pretty specific relationship in place with, for that to be possible or legal for them to be sharing information back and forth. I agree. It's very odd. And let's listen to Principal Weems kind of share this with the family. We've always encouraged Wednesday to speak her mind. Sometimes a sharp tongue can cut deep. Apparently her therapist feels she hasn't been very open to the process. And their time together has not yielded the results we'd hoped. I'm not a lab rat. Dr. Kimbert and I have spoken, and we both agree it would be most beneficial for you all to attend a family session this weekend. No. I thought that might be your reaction, but I'm certain your parents can see the wisdom in it. Um, not to side with Wednesday, but, um, we're only here for the weekend. Oh, come on. What can it hurt? I mean, to be honest, I've always been a big fan of hair shrinking. It's not that kind of hair shrinking, mon chéri. Well, that is disappointing. But anything for our little girl. So a couple of interesting things here. One of the things that really struck me is when Wednesday says she's not a lab rat. And all of the adults just seem to, like, ignore that comment, right? Which is, like, they just, like, keep going. It's like, oh, who cares? There's this teenager sharing her emotions and her feelings, you know? Um, That's the first thing. And then, you know, Dr. Fran, you mentioned this whole confidentiality issue. Like, once again... It's never been explained what kind of things Dr. Kinbot may be sharing with others, like the principal or the parents. Do I think that a family session is a good idea or may be helpful? Sure. But again, like how is this coming about and the communication around it is just all like not what you would typically expect or really like it's not very ethical seeming. Yeah. It also like, I mean, you can't avoid this sometimes, but it's not ideal to have a family therapy session when there's not a ton of rapport, like strong relationship or like trust between the client and the therapist. And I mean, let's see how it plays out because the family therapy session, like from this, even this introduction, you kind of have a sense it's not going to probably be as fruitful as they are hoping. Very true. And I think interestingly, 
Wednesday's mother, Morticia, isn't hesitant, right? She's like, not to side with Wednesday, but I don't really want to do it. Wednesday comes out and says no. Only her dad, Gomez, is kind of like, yeah, let's do it. Anything to help our daughter. So I think that might even be a little bit of foreshadowing as to how the session is going to progress based on those responses. Um, Let's go ahead and listen to this family session. Who wants to start? Maybe we can discuss what it's like having Wednesday away from home. I mean, for me, it's been hard not having Wednesday around. I never thought I'd miss being waterboarded so much. Morticia? Gomez? How have you been coping? It's been torture for us, too. Fortunately, my brother Festa's rag fits two people. Nothing like a good stretch to bring out the best in each other. Um. Enough! I think it's high time my parents faced the music. It seems they've been lying to me. Keeping secrets. Murderous secrets that need to be addressed. Who was Garrett Gates and why are you accused of murdering him? Whoa. Those charges were dropped. Your father isn't an innocent man. Local sheriff doesn't seem too convinced. Wednesday, stop. This is neither the time nor the place. Actually, this is exactly the place. These sessions... Doctor, this does not concern you. And I refuse to debate a decades-old witch hunt with you right now. Darling, maybe we should... No! This session is over. Have it your way, Mother. Wednesday, If you refuse to tell me the truth, I'll just have to excavate it myself. Thanks for the candy. Actually, that's potpourri. Why don't you take the bowl? So, I mean, you maybe couldn't exactly have predicted that Wednesday was going to derail the session by accusing her parents of covering up a murder, (laughs) but it does not go well. And Dr. Kimba is like, has no real like voice in this session. And for those of you that weren't timing it, this session lasts a whole 50 seconds. So this is like less than a minute of therapy with this family before things just go totally off the rails. I will say we're also listening and not visually seeing it, but poor Pugsley, like I feel like it's set up poorly. Like everyone is sitting like a couch in the circle and then Pugsley, her little brother's just like sitting on the floor. So I felt like that was already like a really awkward start for me. I'm like, I don't know if like someone should be on the floor. Um, and Pugsley's also the only one that shares like any feelings, right? Like he starts to talk about how it's been hard mm-hmm. to not have Wednesday there. Um, and then Wednesday does accuse her parents of knowing secrets and not sharing them with her, which, you know, is this the best scenario to get into that? Like maybe, right? I don't know if maybe Wednesday saw it as like, I don't really get to talk to my parents about these kind of situations and now they're a captive audience. So let me try to get into it. Or maybe she's like not wanting to talk about some of the other like, quote unquote issues that the family might Mm -hmm. want to delve into. So she's trying to detract. It's hard to know. Yeah. And I do think there is a situation in which like actually bringing up pretty difficult, sensitive topics in the therapeutic setting could be really helpful. Like maybe, you know, an adolescent Mm -hmm. or even a parent like doesn't know how to talk about it or is worried about how the other person's going to respond and doing it in this safe space where you have someone else to like kind of help out or like diffuse the tension could be helpful, but that requires you to have some level of trust and like 
even liking the therapist, which there is none. So I somewhat agree with Morticia in that situation of like, none of them know this woman. None of them really trust her. And Morticia is also just clearly not ready to talk about this situation and felt ambushed. I think that could be something to talk about of like, Oh, Hey, I'm noticing, Mm -hmm. you know, you weren't really ready to talk about this. This came out of surprise. Like, how are you feeling? And, you know, is there a way for us to come Mm -hmm. back to this in a way that feels less accusatory? I agree with all that, Dr. Fran. And it's interesting because it makes me think about my own work. So not only having that relationship and rapport with the patient, but also the patient's family. Like I feel like in the work that I do, like oftentimes when there is maybe a difficult situation or something that's challenging that my patient wants to talk about with their parents, like we'll talk about it first, we'll come up with a plan, then we'll bring parents in and I'll kind of help to facilitate Mm -hmm. that. Um, But it's because I already have a relationship with all of the parties involved versus you know, this is also the family's, it seems like the first time meeting Dr. Kinbot. Um, this is obviously a very big topic, like talking about how her father was like accused of murder. Yeah. Um, so there's just a lot going on and it would be very difficult to navigate. Yeah. And, and I think similar to that, um, like there's no information given at the beginning of like what this session, like there's no structure. It's just kind of like, let's just talk. Right. I, um, I think another way that this yeah. could have been handled <laughs> is like, having maybe starting with just Wednesday and her mom or just Wednesday and her dad or like having these smaller relationships. Cause I think having all of them in the room at the same time gets a little bit more tricky to figure out. And like, I think maybe you eventually could get to the point where you have the entire family. Um, but I think especially cause Kim, Dr. Kimbot from the beginning kind of singles out that maybe the relationship with Wednesday and her mother is an important one or like a strained one, mm-hmm. but that could be a place where they maybe have a few sessions where they just do mom and Wednesday together. Mm-hmm. And we do see that throughout the show. So even after this session outside, when they leave Morticia and Wednesday kind of get into an argument where Morticia's kind of yelling at Wednesday for like ambushing her father saying like, how could you, how dare you? They get into like a very heated argument. And I think that's just one example that we see that kind of shows that the relationship between Wednesday and Morticia is strained. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that there are several factors at play here. Um, and some of those are definitely exacerbated once Wednesday gets to Nevermore, because at Nevermore, she definitely feels like she's living in her mother's shadow, right? Like her mother went there. Mm-hmm. seems like her mother was very involved and very active at Nevermore. We'll talk about some of those things, but that makes it really hard for Wednesday. And it definitely seems like Wednesday's trying to forge her own identity that's separate from mom. Um, and that seems to be a challenge. And I think that seems to strain their relationship as well. Yeah. And, and kind of like, as you're talking, but also when I was thinking about this relationship, it reminded me a little bit of some of the other sessions we've covered, like in particular, like turning red, right. Where you've got like a mother figure who is, you know, sometimes like kind of harsh or, you know, has like really high expectations or like seems like she's never proud or, you know, like, but in reality, like there are moments where she does like compliment or like say these nice things. It's just kind of this like complex, um, but not uncommon dynamic, I think, in like a parent adolescent relationship, as like you mentioned, Dr. Sam, an adolescent is like trying to forge their own identity and a parent is maybe trying to figure out the best way to handle that. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting, and we'll go through some examples here, but one of the things that I found really interesting between the relationship and Morticia and Wednesday is they have very different viewpoints, right? And at one point, Morticia discusses this when they're talking about their psychic abilities, she calls herself a dove, that she kind of has a more positive lend and a cheerful disposition. Wednesday is kind of drawn to the more like dark and eerie type um, lens of life. Um, and so I think that that naturally kind of puts them at odds in some situations. Mm-hmm. And I think that interestingly, Morticia, in my opinion, though, throughout the show, she actually does try to compliment Wednesday pretty often. Like she is often encouraging, like, do what you want to do. She's often complimenting her. She's often like trying to bond. 
I think it's the approach though, that either Wednesday doesn't feel as authentic, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't think she actually like feels like it's true or genuine or it doesn't really like, I think um, reach Wednesday in the way that Morticia would like, but I kind of feel like there was some of that dissonance and that I saw Morticia trying to be positive or trying to forge that relationship, but it wasn't really um, landing with Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I wonder if some of it is, you know, what she's complimenting her on are those things that are in line with things that Wednesday cares about, or does Wednesday kind of assume that what she's complimenting her on is like things that are going to make her just like another Morticia, um, but that she doesn't really see like the unique aspects of her. I think to that point, there's actually a great scene when Morticia is saying goodbye to Wednesday, um, when they are dropping Wednesday off at Nevermore for the first time. So let's listen to that exchange between the two of them. Any plans you have of running away and right now? I've alerted all family members to contact me the minute you darken their doorstep. You have nowhere to go. As usual, you underestimate me, Mother. I will escape this educational penitentiary, and you will never hear from me again. You're a brilliant girl, Wednesday, but sometimes you get it in your own way. I'm sure you'll grow to love Evermore and find it as life-changing as I did. Oh, I got you a little something. W. Our initials. It's made of obsidian, which Aztec priests use to conjure visions. It's a symbol of our connection. Which one of your spirits suggested this toker and tchotchke? I am not you, mother. I will never fall in love or be a housewife or have a family. I'm told girls your age say hurtful things I shouldn't take it to the heart fortunately you don't have one I think that's a perfect example we hear Wednesday literally say like I will never be you mother Mm -hmm. right like the things that you have done the things that you find to be important are the things that I will never do do not want to do so I think we really see like Wednesday distancing herself from her mother in that way yeah and and we won't get a ton into attachment styles but I think this is like a perfect example of like uh, avoidant attachment style. Um, if you're wanting a deeper dive into attachment, we do talk a bit more about it in the Grinch episode that we did um, a few, you know, holiday seasons ago. Um, but when we think about like avoidant attachment, it's usually like a child or adolescent or infant. Um, you know, if their parent leaves them, they don't become distressed. Or you know, when they're separated from the caregiver, um, they might actively ignore them when they return. Like when we're thinking about kind of like the early, um, you know, experiments with when they developed attachment styles. But really, kind of seeing this like distancing or like acting as if she doesn't care if she's there or not. She doesn't really care about her approval, like really avoidant um, of that attachment, um, which it's hard to tell how, like if that's been the case, like since infancy or childhood, um, or if there's been like a series of interactions between them that have kind of led to this interaction or this relationship. Very true. And then having that relationship kind of foundation, how that can impact other relationships. Mm -hmm. And so we won't dive too much into that today, but we see like Wednesday having various relationships with her peers, like Enid, her roommate or Tyler or Xavier, or, you know, just the various people that she's like interacting with and how 
kind of even that relationship with her mother is mirrored in other relationships that she has in different ways. Um, in thinking though specifically about Morticia and Wednesday, one of the big themes that really comes up a lot is just Wednesday feeling like she'll never like live up to her mother's expectations and maybe not even wanting to, but feeling like she has to. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really exacerbated by her going to Nevermore where her mother is kind of like so present. So there's actually a really nice scene where they're like in the, I don't know, like the caverns where the nightshades meet, um, where they discuss like how Wednesday feels about her mother's expectations for her. Hello, mother. Hello, Wednesday. So you're a nightshade. That didn't take long. Actually, I rejected them. Why? Because I was a member? I'll never live up to your legacy here. So why try? I won the Poe Cup, you claimed it four times. I joined the fencing team, you captained it. Why would you send me somewhere where I could only ever exist in your shadow? It's not a competition, Wednesday. Everything is a competition, Mother. Yeah, I think, like you said, Dr. Sam, this is another perfect example of just, like, sums up the relationship. And, you know, I am glad Wednesday's being pretty upfront about her experience of like it just here are all the reasons why it feels like I'm constantly having to live up to your expectations or um, kind of trying to like be like you but I'm being set up for failure especially because it's not things that she mm-hmm. may even care about um, it's like things that maybe she's good at but it's maybe not things that she's particularly interested or excited about yeah it's interesting because I kind of feel almost like not not opposite, but I kind of think like, I do think that Wednesday does enjoy fencing. Like, I feel like it's something that she enjoys. And even with the poke up, like she got really into it just because she wanted to help Enid. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like these are things that maybe Wednesday wouldn't generally care about, but she finds herself enjoying them. And then I feel like she almost gets mad because it's like, Oh, like mom did these and she did them so well. And I don't want to be like mom. And so I feel like there's like this like battle within Wednesday of like, maybe not wanting to enjoy them, but maybe kind of enjoying them, but then also not wanting to be compared to her mother. I think that this scene was kind of sad because I got that sense. It's like, oh, like I think Wednesday does like these things, but it's making it a challenge because of her mom's legacy. And then mom even says like, well, it's not a competition, but that's like easier said than felt, right? Like, cause Wednesday's like seeing it everywhere. Like she sees her mom and all the pictures and the trophies and, you know, she just wants to win her poke cup with her friend and not think about like, oh, well, my mom's done this four times. So it doesn't even matter. Right. So I think it's, it's complicated. Yeah. And I, as you're talking, I was like, it sounds a little bit like she's being what oppositional because, you know, she's like finding herself (laughs) enjoying these things. And she's like, no, I can't like these things because mom liked them and I don't want to be like mom and I have to defy her. And, uh, but I do think there's a broader thing going on with just like her exploring her own identity. And, you know, I think there is part of her identity that wants to be unique and wants to be different. And she is, and she kind of like pushes away or shies away from anything that makes her seem similar to ever, other people because that might make her vulnerable or it might make her. Um, you know, so I think there's like a lot of layers to what's going on there. That's very true. Like connections, right? Emotions and connections are a source of weakness in Wednesday's mind. And so I think she tries to protect herself from those. Mm-hmm. Another connection, though, that much to her, you know, like um, unhappiness that she shares with her mother is that they both have um, kind of psychic visions. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is something that Wednesday has actually been experiencing since before she went to Nevermore. She has not shared it with her mom. And we heard in one of the clips about how mom gave her the obsidian totem um, so that they could help conjure like spirits and um, like help with their visions. Right. And so this is another thing that Wednesday hasn't really talked to her mother about because she doesn't want to have this like shared experience with Morticia. 
When did your visions begin? A few months ago. Hmm. Before I left for Nevermore. I'm sorry you didn't feel you could tell me. I know we've had our difficulties lately. Navigating the treacherous shoals of our mother-daughter relationship. But I'm always here for you, Wednesday. Always. Sometimes when I touch someone or something, I get these very violent glimpses from the past or future. I don't know how to control it. Our psychic ability resides on the spectrum of who we are. Given my disposition, my visions tend to be positive. That makes me a doubt. And for someone like me, who sees the world through a darker lens? You're a raven. Your visions are more potent, more powerful. But without the proper training, they can lead to madness. If I could help you, I would, Wednesday. But we're not trained by the living. Somebody from our bloodline reaches out from beyond to help us when we're ready. Goody has. I've seen her before. Be careful, Wednesday. Goody was a witch of great strength. But her vengeance pushed her too far, and even she couldn't save herself. I think this is a, a t- one of the few touching scenes, I think, between Morticia and Wednesday, and we start to see it um, a little bit later uh, in the season as some of the things, um, like, you know, what the visions are coming up. And I think there's a few nice things here where, you know, Morticia's even kind of, like, acknowledging or um, apologizing for, like, not opening up and, and sharing that she's always there, has, that she is always there for her, even though she hasn't always maybe come across that way. I also liked how Morticia just acknowledges like that there are difficulties in their relationship and maybe with any mother daughter relationship. Right. And I think that in this touching moment, it allows um, Wednesday to feel like she can be open because she finally does share with her mom, like what's been happening and the vision she's been having and how she feels like she can't control them. And the mom's able to give her some guidance. Interestingly, mom does warn her about vengeance of their, Mm -hmm. their relative. Um, and I think that kind of fits into the vindictiveness. So maybe mom has also noticed that pattern on Wednesday and is warning because while Goody was a powerful, um, I don't know, was she like, a, did she say she was a witch? Yeah, yeah a witch. Yeah. Well, while Goody was a powerful witch, she also let her vengeance kind of get the better of her. And so, you know, maybe again, we're seeing some of that oppositional defiance, like maybe Morticia is also seeing that in Wednesday and kind of giving her that forewarning. Yeah. And I think that that's also kind of like a nice connection between is like Wednesday's asking her questions and like learning from her and like letting mom tell her about the visions and about these things. So I think that's also like another way that she's kind of letting her in and trusting her a bit. And then after Wednesday kind of saves the day in terms of her family, she gets her dad, well, Morticia and Wednesday partner and get their, get Wednesday's dad released from jail. And he's no longer being sought for this like old murder that has occurred. The family is leaving nevermore. And so we have another touching moment where Morticia and Wednesday are now saying goodbye again as the family's leaving nevermore after this like parents weekend has ended. As I leaf through the pages of this yearbook, I was reminded of all the wonderful times I had here. But they were just that. Mine. You have your own path to blaze. I don't want to be a stranger in your life, darling. 
If you need me for anything, anything at all, I'm only a crystal ball away. Thank you, Mother. And it's nice to have the their relationship kind of end on this note. And I think it's good because it also then, you know, Wednesday has to go, you know, find a murderer and do all this stressful stuff. So at least there's some, you know, resolution in her relationship with uh, Morticia before that all happens. Yes. And in, you know, popular kind of TV show style, Wednesday does go on to learn how to kind of harness her psychic abilities. She does find out who the monster Hyde is. She helps in that. She makes friends. I think that's the only goal that she was like against, right? She wanted to save her dad. She wanted to find the killer. She didn't want to make friends. She did make friends. So, you know, (laughs) it's a very nice ending for a creepy story. Um, And if you all are fans of the show, I did hear it was renewed very quickly for a season two because it was so popular. And I think it's coming soon. But I've heard, I don't think there's a set date yet, but I've heard it's likely 2024. So we still have a while to wait, apparently. Well, maybe we'll uh, bring it back uh, for a booster session when we have season two out. Yeah, mild spoiler alert, but hopefully Wednesday we'll have a new therapist or psychologist <laughs> since her uh, first one did not survive the she season. She did not make it, unfortunately. That's a good transition, actually, into our PH Don'ts. This is not a safe place. Sorry, are you, you going to like keep touching me like that? That guy is a total loon. But I cannot talk about my clients. I cannot talk about my clients. Oh, that's it. Great, great job, everybody. Thank you. Don't share confidential information about your client with their school principal. Don't read your client's unpublished novels without their permission. Don't assume your client is just trying to get attention when they tell you about a gruesome murderer who is on the loose. Don't try to therapize your client while they are visiting their friend in the hospital. And don't get murdered by your client who turns out to be a hide. All right. So, Dr. Sam, I am curious with how popular and how big of a deal this show was and your um, inclination towards spooky, creepy shows, what were your impressions of Wednesday? I was a fan. I'm a big fan of Tim Burton. Um, so I really like anything Tim Burton and I do like things that are a little darker and I tend to have like a soft spot, I guess, for these like kind of teenage dramas that are a little bit spooky. Like it kind of reminded me of like Sabrina and like Riverdale and, you know, they're just like quick, easy, fun watches. Um, so I was a fan and I know, I I think we actually didn't mention like the actors, like we usually do, mm-hmm. but like Jenna Ortega, Catherine Zeta-Jones, like I thought that the cast was also really great in it. So I really enjoyed it. What about you, Dr. Fran? Yeah, I would agree. And I think because it was kind of this like teen drama and I thought like the dialogue was very like quippy and funny and um, like her lines yes. and like all the lines of like the Adams family, I think are like really good because it's just like this super dark, sarcastic, like macabre humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of that I really enjoyed. And um, yeah, Jenna Ortega, I think was really, really good along with a lot of the other actors in the show. And it wasn't, I mean, there were parts where you're like, you know, the monsters in the woods, like there's a little suspenseful or it's like dark, (laughs) but for some reason this did not scare me as much as some other shows that we've talked about. So I was able to watch it alone and make it through it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It wasn't quite scary. It had just enough creepiness. Like, you know, when it's like kind of cold and it's fall and you can have a warm tea and watch something (laughs) a little bit spooky. It was like in that perfect zone. (laughs) 
And I really like the aesthetics. I think again, going mm-hmm. back to Tim Burton, just like the colors and the the wardrobe yeah. and the way that things looked, I just really enjoyed. Too. Yeah, definitely, I agree. And now it's time for our DSM five diagnosing shows and movies. So, what do you think, Doctor Sam? Yes. So while I really enjoyed the show, I think when we are, you know, rating it based on the way it portrayed like psychological themes and in particular the therapy, I was not a fan of this therapist. I feel like there were some things that she did that were, you know, that could be good. Like when she tried to do open or not, I shouldn't say that, but that could be positive. You know, when she tried to use open-ended questions and she tried to relate But overall, I think there was just a lot of like ethical quandaries Mm -hmm. with her, like divulging information and sharing things with like the principal and others. Um, I don't think she really tried to meet Wednesday where she was at or even get like buy-in or any like rapport with Wednesday in a way that was effective. Um, So I think I'm going to give it, I think like the adolescent development piece was nice and maybe more positive. The therapy was not good. So I think I'll give it like a two just for the out of like the adolescent development, some of like the emotion bonds, the relationship with the family. Mm -hmm. I could see that being like, um, you know, like potentially what we could see in real life. The rest of it, not at all or else was done, not in a way that would be ethical or appropriate. So I'm going to give it a two. What about you, Dr. Fran? Yeah, I was leaning towards the same. I'm like, well, she didn't try to sleep with her patient, which is sad that that is our bar. <laughs> but, you know, we've seen more unethical, more horrible therapist portrayals. That's unfortunately. true. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, there were like a few nuggets of okay therapy that we saw. Um, and I think she was like overall well-meaning, just not very skilled. Um, and hopefully yeah. this is not what you would see in the real world. Um, but I agree. I think like the adolescent development and especially the, you know, navigating identity development and differentiation between the mom and the daughter. So I think there's like some, um, some accurate portrayals of like the teen development, adolescent development stage there, but therapy, not so great. Yeah. I think if there's one thing we could say that really reflects how Dr. Kinbot did, it would be that one of her patients who's whole like magical identity revolved around him, like harnessing his like anger and emotions. She did so poorly to support him that he murdered her. (laughs) Yay. I mean, it's probably not all on her. Okay. It's not all on her, but. (laughs) Yikes. Does not bode well for Dr. Kimbot. We'll see. We'll see next, next season if there's a better therapist. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Well, session's over for Wednesday. Don't forget to check out our website for resources and the glossary of new terms and things that we discussed today. And please let us know your thoughts on this TV show. We'd also love to hear any questions that you have about Wednesday, the topics that we talked about today, or anything else psychology related. And if you have any cool movies or TV shows or things that are interesting that you want us to put on the couch and break down next. And find and follow us on social media. We're at Freud Scripts Pod on all the platforms. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review. And we are still giving out stickers. You are welcome to leave us a review on any of the platforms that you like to listen. And we will send you a sticker. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon. Creative Director Eric at Webmaster Dog. I was thinking we were going to do da na na na.
Uh, we should have done that. <laughs> <laughs>